other day in the hallway. You're singing, Oh, Happy Day. Uh, and she tried to blame it on the dogs. There is no longer a federal constitutional right to an abortion. This is a special edition of Brian and Baden. Today, there was a lot of news media about emotions that hit the uh, courthouse in California involving somebody named Scott Peterson, who had been convicted in the past of killing his wife, Lacey, and his baby. And remember, he had been given the death penalty. The death penalty was overturned. But now, the Innocence Project of Los Angeles has taken up his case. So, I have with me a very special guest. My husband, I, I actually wrangled him. He was on the way out to dinner to go meet clients, and uh, that's why he's in a pink shirt. But here he is. He's all for you. He's all yours to ask some questions. You can ask me. You can ask him. You've got us both. You've got Baden and Baden. So let me start with you, Linda, because let me get the procedural out of the way, okay? Um, you know, the, the Innocence Project, if you hear that, they've, they've you know, they've uh, earned some street cred, you know? So you immediately think, okay, well, got to be something here. What's your take on seemingly out of the blue, these three motions that have been filed to effectively, uh, you know, get Scott Peterson out of prison. Well, first let me say that the Innocence Project that we work with a lot is in New York City. It's the National Innocence Project, and they have been great because they have fostered over their many years, uh, decades now, uh, local innocence projects. Sometimes they're called exoneration projects. Sometimes they're called innocence projects. This is a local innocence project. It's not the national one you're thinking of, but that doesn't mean it's less credible, but it has less experience, obviously, because they're, they're newer. They do have a, a very good exoneration under their belt, and uh, they're clearly looking for high-profile cases in that neck of the woods, shall we say. So uh, that's my first take on it. Now, there's, there's several motions that are filed. It's really, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a habeas corpus, but really what they are for like regular people lingo is to reopen the case. They can get discovery. that They say the prosecution failed to give. And then they want to have not only that discovery, but they want to have items tested that they say either were not given to them, were not properly tested, tested or that the uh, scientific value of the tests are no longer credible because new testing uh, makes is so much more better after from 2002 to 2024. Yeah, Michael. and that's not a surprise. We've seen that before. Updated scientific techniques have led to different outcomes in a number of cases, sometimes finding somebody that, that was totally under the radar. So let me, doctor, let me ask you a couple of questions. I've been looking at the the paperwork here because your connection to this is is, uh, is is intimate. You were at the scene of the body recovery at San Francisco Bay. You were there for a few days. You were doing it as, as you know in your capacity as a forensic news contributor. So let's get some backstory on that. What what were your observations from that location at that time? Well, when I came down to San Francisco Bay shortly after the two bodies were found. They'd been missing for about four months, from December 24th until the middle of, of May. The bodies were found, the mom and the child, uh, about a mile apart on the shoreline. 
and um, a, a day apart. The uh, mom, Lacey's body was severely decomposed, consistent with the um, uh, four-month uh, duration that she was in the water. Uh, the baby was in excellent condition. Uh, and what had happened is that even after death, the Lacey had body Lacey's body had protected the baby in her womb until uh, the uh, abdomen opened up due to decomposition, and the baby came to the surface a few days before they were found on the shoreline. So I was able to see the shoreline where the bodies were, and. Um, uh, the uh, baby was an excellent. Uh, was in very good, intact condition. Let's talk about the baby because there seems to be some suggestion that because of the length of the femur, uh, you know, starting to get beyond me when you start naming bones. Uh, but th there's some suggestion that uh, the baby was older, or the fetus was older than the evidence to this point has suggested. No, I think that going back 20 years, at the time when I looked into this matter, the baby clearly was a, a full term, almost full term, eight months uh, fetus still, had not yet been born. The uh, autopsy of the mom showed that the cervix was still intact. It was not a vaginal delivery, which sometimes can happen after death. Uh, the baby was delivered because the top part of the womb, of the uterus, decomposed and opened up and the body then came out to the surface, and both bodies were in the same tidal situation in the water and was washed up onto the shoreline at that point. So there, there's been some suggestion that the, the baby, I don't know if I should be saying baby or fetus, uh, was, was strangled. So to, to say it was a baby was, would suggest it was born, took a breath, and then died. But do you see, have you seen any evidence to suggest this fetus was strangled? No, the the uh, Connor was already the ba the child was already named Connor in utero. Connor was almost almost full term development in the uterus when the ba when Connor came out at, because the mom's of the mother's decomposition. Uh, various debris came onto the body. Often when bodies uh, float in water after death, debris will, especially after four months, will deposit on the body's surface or injuries may, may occur while the baby uh, uh, it goes around in the water and while fishes come at it, etc. So the baby had some uh, debris material on its surface. There was some tape type uh, plastic that was found on the baby, which could have been debris in the water or could have been uh, a tape that was placed on the mom uh, after death and tape was put on the on the a body to keep it intact while being moved to, be, to go into the water. But this all happened after the baby was delivered a, a few days before the baby was found. So in no uh, way, the baby it, was in the water. Not a cause of death situation. It was not a cause of death. There were the uh, autopsy was done. The baby was not uh, strangled, uh, and the baby was not born. The baby did not breathe in any oxygen. The lungs were uh, not inflated. 
and there were no injuries to the baby other than death because the mother had died. What would you need to see from a forensic standpoint that would lead you to believe there should be some different conclusion to this case than that Scott Peterson killed Lacey and the unborn child? No, uh, as far as the autopsy and the findings were, uh, Lacey was pregnant near term when she died. And the cause of death of uh, Lacey uh, was not determined, and partly because some of the body parts were missing in, in the course of the decomposition. But it, the medical examiner and the jury concluded that she died uh, of a uh, home, uh, uh, death due to uh, homicidal uh, activity. Of undetermined of undetermined uh, means. From a forensic standpoint, it's more about what happened before the death, and, and, and you know what they found after the fact. If you can't determine cause of death, you can't determine cause of death. That's not going to change. But it sounds like it's more about the facts that led up to her disappearance and ultimate death, which uh, you know is going to yet to be seen. So let me ask you, Linda, a couple questions. First of all, why why bring a motion to seal this material? Well, very interesting. Uh, number one, there is some indication that they said that people possibly were afraid to come forward in this high-profile case. Uh, that's the first reason. The second reason is there may be some indication that they have a confession from somebody else, but that really is not a reason to seal because, as we all know, Michael Bryan, uh, in high-profile cases, people confess all the time falsely. Uh, sometimes they're prosecuted for it, and other times they're just crazy. You know, like if you remember the John Benet Ramsey case, the the gentleman, and I'll use that term loosely, out of Thailand who said he was the killer and he wasn't. We saw that early on in a, in a case uh, in New Jersey where I'm from, a Jersey girl, uh, Charles Lindbergh, you, you know, ages ago that she was, there were thousands of false confessions uh, there. And we see it all the time. So, so I think they're trying to say that people are afraid to come forward. I think obviously uh, the judge is, is, may not seal the record unless it has to do with some certain medical records, which uh, you know, could impinge upon the privacy rights of the decedents. So obviously their goal is a new trial. What do you think you know, realistically is likely to happen here, Linda? Uh, I believe the judge probably has to reopen the case for the purpose of giving discovery, giving additional DNA testing, giving different forensic testing. And I just, my gut feeling as a defense attorney on this case tells me that that's not going to change anything, uh, that they may get that and uh, whether or not uh, the conviction would be overturned because of failure to give evidence is a real long shot at this stage. But then again, we haven't seen the documents and having been involved in a lot of Innocence Project cases, you know, we, we can't make that judgment or make that prejudgment at this time. Yeah, clearly, uh, it, it's a shocker. I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is 22 years ago. So we are definitely going to stay on it. Linda, am I right about that? Absolutely. Brian and Bodden are on this. Michael Bryant uh, will be there. I'm going to send him to, he likes to go on field trips. So I'm like sending to you to the yeah. San Francisco Bay, Michael okay. Bryant. We will keep you posted.